Hi there, you are listening to The Poltercast, the Dutch politics podcast, where we bring you up to speed on all the political news and stories that you need to know in the run-up to the Dutch elections. Calling in from Brussels, this is Kasper Bruzewitz. And calling in from The Hague, this is Eugène Achterhoff. The elections are just around the corner, but there's still a number of parties that currently sit in Parliament left to discuss. At the same time, the polls indicate that some new parties stand a real chance of making it into the second chamber. So this week, we say goodbye to those parties that will most likely not make a return, discuss the new ones that may make it in, and try to answer the question, will the number of parties in Parliament get even bigger after March 17th? Dutch politics. It's about being honest. Well, you know, I think it is your good friends who have to tell you the truth now and then. It's about being ambitious. I'm pro-refugee, I'm pro-European, and that's the way I think the left uh, have to go. And it's about being confident. Almost half of the Dutch population agrees with me, whether you like it or not. And that is what makes it fascinating. Hey, Casper. Hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Uh, actually, now you mention it, a bit worried because the elections are almost there, almost upon us, and uh, we still have quite a few parties that we need to cover. <laughs> oh, dear. We... I, okay, you know, I, I was afraid you were going to say, um, I'm afraid if uh, if I casted my vote on time, but uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> you were I thinking have. about the podcast. Yeah. Good point. Um, <laughs> we indeed, I also, yeah, we uh, we started off saying we have 15 parties and 37 parties uh, running in these elections. And so far, I think we covered like <laughs> 10 at most. At most, yeah. We, we still have some ground to cover it, at least. Um, so let's take care of that today. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's a good thing to do. Let's just uh, look at... Uh, at least all of the parties that are in parliament that we haven't mentioned yet. So uh, at least we can mention, uh, yeah, all of them. But um, yeah, let's first dive into the news. Is there anything that uh, stood out for you this week? Well, I think the polls have actually, for the first time in a bit, are actually a little bit interesting uh, the first time around because um, the VVD, which has still, you know, a, a mild lead, but it seems to be shrinking a little bit. Um, now polling at around 38 to 39 last, last time I looked, which, uh, is still yeah. a distance from where everyone else is, but, um, <laughs> as, as, as green left leader, Jesse Claver would say, you're leading with 300 seats in the poll. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I do see not just in, in the polling, but it does seem to be trending down slightly. So I think that might be interesting to see if that's something that develops. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I noticed that as well. And I think in over the past weeks, they have indeed, like every week, they seem to have been going down yeah. at max one seat in, in most of the polls, yeah. which still, yeah, it still makes uh, the the gaps is still enormous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's an interesting trend to to see. And I also think, and that's, that's perhaps relevant for uh, today's episode, is that... If we look at uh, the smaller parties, some there there are some things uh, happening there. Yeah, exactly. It seems to be that uh, that a few of the parties um, of the newer ones they they seem to actually start showing up in in these polls a little bit more than they did previously. To the point that we can, I think, make reasonable statements on on whether or not at the end, after all is said and done, um, which parties are. Um, going to be able to remain in the parliament and which new ones, if any, might be uh, coming in. So 
yeah, I think there's some there's at least one thing that we can always say about Dutch politics is that uh, <laughs> we will never end up with fewer parties. No, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. No. Um, but then, if we uh, look at some of the main, yeah, some of the main news items of this week, I think there was actually only one uh, because there weren't really any significant debates over the past uh, seven days. Uh, but I think the main topic that was discussed quite intense, quite into that in uh, in politics this week was the COVID passports. Yes, exactly. This this definitely was an animated uh, debate, which was already um, briefly a topic for discussion at one of the recent debates, the RTL uh, debate with the party leaders. Um, but that that debate has continued going um, over the week. Um, right, because at that, uh, yeah, at that RTL debate, uh, the the party leaders of the six largest parties were asked, "Are you in favor of introducing this this COVID passport?" So that's, I think, sort of based on this this strategy that I think they have in Israel as well, where you can show whether you got uh, whether you already got the vaccine, and then I think they want to get combine that with either you already got the vaccine or you got recently uh, got a negative test. Yeah. Uh, test results uh, and the only party leader who voted that she was in favor of this uh, idea was Sigrid Kaag of the Liberal Democrats T66. Yeah. Exactly, um, which was in, in one hand not too surprising, especially if you look at, for instance, the Christian parties, which, as we've discussed, already um, have an issue with, with some of the with, with some of the discussions surrounding mandatory vaccines, for instance. So this is in line with that, that they just have moral or principal objections against anything that it hints at um, forcing or, you know, um, um, incentivizing people to, to get um, vaccinated. So I indeed, I think the in- incentivizing um, yeah, bit is also, it's an important part of the strategy, right? It's, it's about, yeah, trying to, not to force people, because yeah. I think most of the parties are against forcing people to get, to get the vaccine, but they sort of, you know, they want to, they want to push them a bit. Yeah. And yeah, so of course you have the Christian parties who, who, because of religious reasons are already against forcing people to do something like this. But then I also saw that some of the other parties were fearing that you would create this sort of first and second ranked citizens. And of course, a main debate, like a main uh, yeah, argument that you've heard a lot was, uh, on the one hand, D66 uh, leader Sigrid Kaag stating, well, we need to reopen the economy as soon yeah. as possible. So this will help, uh, you know, a lot of business owners if they can already at least get some customers. But then on the other end, you heard a lot of people who say, who said, well, the people who get <laughs> vaccinated first are the people who like most like are the people who are in risk groups, you know, the higher risk groups. So uh, the elderly people. So then we um, we're going to we have force all of the people who in general didn't. <laughs> didn't have that much risk of this whole uh covid uh of this whole covid 19 thing uh, and we we've gave them so many restrictions over the past year and now we're going to tell them like well but you'll be the last ones to <laughs> to get to be able to go out and uh you know benefit from this reopening of economy again yeah exactly and i um i think one of the main differences between many of the parties you would i think otherwise be receptive to this idea it's also the matter of timing right i think there's a much larger group of parties that would be more than happy with with initiative like this as long as it was implemented at a time when everyone had the possibility of getting a vaccine so i think that is crucial in 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 that difference is um whether or not it is acceptable to already implement something like this when not everyone has had the opportunity to get vaccinated um 
Yeah, I think most people will consider it fair to just wait till everyone yeah. had the chance to yeah. get the shots yeah. and then uh, and then introduce yeah. something like this. And yeah. I think there's another group who would have appreciated um, if D66 had waited with this a little bit, and that's uh, the other uh, members of the governing, the current governing coalition, um, because apparently, and this this is more media stories. Apparently, the um, government or the the caretaker government was already developing plans for such a vaccine passport, um, which is in parallel to discussions already happening at the European level, for instance, where there's also talks on their way. And there was a sense that D66 basically co-opted plans that were in preparation and used those as sort of D66 plans. So they that didn't really <laughs> sit well with these parties. But that's, that's speculation, obviously. But... Uh, yeah, well, at the same time, I can imagine that uh, out of the caretaker uh, coalition parties, uh, I, I don't think that the Christian Union in particular <laughs> is in favor of this whole idea. No, so they are. They are. Yeah. I, I don't think they're happy with. Uh, they were happy with the, with D sixty six even proposing this idea, no. but also not to find out that the government was already planning on doing something similar, or at least investigating this uh, this idea. <laughs> So over the past weeks, we have discussed uh, many, many parties out of the 15 parties that we have currently in our parliaments. And we focus on left wing, right wing, uh, confessionalist and then liberals. But we still didn't make it till 15. Um, there's still some parties uh, left. And Not there yet. <laughs> do you think we do you think they're worth mentioning? I the think smaller so. parties that we have. I think so. I think we'd be doing our ourselves and our, our listeners a disservice if we wouldn't actually include all the parties, at least the ones that are in Parliament right now. And then I think maybe even some of the ones that have a really yeah, credible chance of, of making it in after the elections are done. So um, if we look at the smaller parties, you know, it's, it's always going to be... Well, Election night is definitely going to be a tough night for some of these because I think it's fair to say that we are not going to see all of them back. And I agree. Uh, I agree. I think yeah, this is, is always a sad moment. Uh, that's also unfortunately the 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 downside of democracy that sometimes yeah. we have to say goodbye to yeah. some of these people. Uh, so since this podcast is all about <laughs> saying how how predictable Dutch politics is. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd hereby, on behalf of, of uh, the Poldercast, would like to say goodbye to uh, the party Splinter of uh, Femke Merel, Kote uh, van Aresen, mm -hmm. and uh, of Henk Kroll, leader of, well, formerly known uh, as uh, the leader of the Party for the Future, but now known as uh, the leader of List Henkel. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that we're going to say goodbye to these people. Exactly. And I mean, this is, I think, a very important element of, of Dutch politics is that because you get to keep, you vote for a person, you get to keep your seat. There's, it, it always, or at least very often happens that someone will leave a party and then sit out the rest of their run by themselves and sometimes we've seen examples of of those parties making it into the next thing but often that doesn't happen and they just leave after the next elections and i think these are two examples of uh, of that yeah and indeed i think it, it it only rarely happens that someone who leaves a party and then keeps his own keeps his own yeah. seat and uh, it, it only rarely happens that these people get re-elected yeah. and i think the most notable one is uh, is geert wilders yeah. with uh, the party for freedom so 
then if we look at some of the other smaller parties, then I think one that is also not doing that great in uh, the polls right now is 50 plus. Yeah, exactly. And obviously this close to the elections, polls might still change. So by the time this goes out, this could be different again. But right now they are polling at two, which is less than the three they currently have in the house and even less than the four that they started with. Um, which they lost one of because of Henkel leaving. <laughs> to Henkel. Um, yeah, so I think one of their, their major problems in the upcoming elections is uh, <laughs> that they can't really grow because Henkel is targeting the same <laughs> the same voters. Uh, and, and he's also sort of campaigning with the same, um, yeah, he has sort of the same points that he's, that he's representing, right? So it's, it's an elderly party, 50 yeah. plus. So, uh, yeah, strong focus on, on pensions, on state pensions, uh, lowering the, the state pensions age back to 65. That yeah. is now slowly being raised to 67. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in the name, 50 plus. Yeah. It's a party that, uh, <laughs> that tends to represent the people above the yeah. age of 50. Yeah. And if you're below, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> you're out. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, currently they're on, on minus one. Uh, but, some of the other small, smaller parties are actually seem to be doing quite all right for their, um, yeah, for for their ambitions. I think so. Let's dive a bit into uh, those parties, uh, and one of them that we also haven't. Well, I think we've briefly mentioned their existence, but that we haven't uh, really de- uh, dived into, and that is the party for the animals. Yeah. I, think- I think also quite a unique party and quite quite a unique phenomenon in in European politics, even that this party exists. Yeah. I think definitely one you get most que- questions about from from people that are in touch is like why do you have an animal party? Uh, but yeah, they are um, they are they are here now, and I expect them to stick around because I think they've got a quite a consistent base. And beside the fact that it seems like they've got quite a narrow focus, they've got a relatively cohesive set of of arguments uh, that they stick to, and they don't change them much. So they're at least consistent. Yeah, and. You know they, they're um, well. They're, they're estimated to to keep five seats in parliament, yeah. and I think that's that's well, that's it's a respectable yeah, it's a respectable yeah. You're doing quite well, and yeah. in particular for being founded as as this seemingly one issue party that is sort of aiming for the same voters as uh, Green Left. Yeah. Because more, let's face it, if you yeah. more if you or less, look yeah yeah if you uh, look at the at the uh, at our electorate, it tends to be uh, predominantly women. Um, and also predominantly people who live in, in bigger cities. Yes, and I think in terms of comparing them to Green Left, I think I would say that economically speaking, they perhaps will have more in common with the SP. They're a little bit more socialist in, in that that bent. But yeah, I think there's a lot of overlap between these two parties. And I think the Party for Animals is a little bit more conscientious. They they, they outright refuse to enter government and they're, they say them of themselves that they're there to bear witness and, and just be principled. So, But that's not there. something they said for the upcoming elections, right? Mm. I think that um, their party yeah. leader actually said that she might be willing to uh, or that the party is ready to Enter the negotiation table. Uh, oh, then I, then I change my mind. Then I think they're doomed. If the, if if the party for the animals <laughs> loses that core principle, then then I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, maybe maybe they'll finally. This is the time that the party for the animals finally enters government. And what a but different- I, I, you know, I, I do think that uh, the strength of this party and and also yeah, the influence, the only influence that this party can have is because it's usually usually an opposition party. I think I think to some extent you can compare it to. To 
the power of the Dutch Reformed Party, so the yeah. SGP, uh, the the smallest of the Christian parties, uh, that is is very much on his own uh, when it when it comes to standing outside of the the Dutch social liberal consensus, and that their only way of having any influence is by helping uh, the the coalition uh, or the government to a majority, and thereby demanding something yeah. in return. Um, so it's not going to be a lot, but. Uh, and and that that is, I think, what the party for the animal, uh, what their focus is, what their focus is going to be on. It's it's. I agree. And that, when when they have the opportunity, helping out the government, yeah. but then demanding something yeah. back, which will be something related to animal rights. Exactly, and I think in that way, it's very clear how, what the picture would look like if they don't make it back in again, uh, because by the virtue of them being there, they do tend to drag you know certain issues further to a more sustainable or a more animal friendly or a more progressive bent. So there would definitely yeah. be you you'd notice if they were gone. I think. Yeah, because I think that means that the Green Left will gain five seats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then next up, uh, Denk, the party that is now in Parliament with three seats. And uh, that is, well, I, I think it, we can expect them to uh, stay in Parliament, but it is likely that they will lose one seat. Do you think they'll make it? I think so. I think they'll stick around. And they're an example, I think, of a splinter party that did make it, uh, being a splinter previously from the PVDA. Um, and I think they've got enough of a base and a lot of a core issue to actually manage to at least stick around a little bit. They're obviously quite nar- narrowly focused on, on especially migrant communities, the Turkish and Moroccan communities. Um, so I think there's enough of a base there for them to at least, you know, manage enough seats to uh, enough votes to get back in. Yeah, I think... Uh, indeed, it's a party that uh, was split off from the Labour Party PVDA that initially had a main focus on uh, the Turkish minority, then tried to incorporate Moroccan minorities and then um, with a party that we will later include as well uh, with uh, their party leader Silvana Simons being part of the Deng party for some time as well. And yeah, if you look at that party and in particular at their electorate, yeah, as we said, there is sort of a threshold of around 70, a bit over 70,000 votes that you need to get for one seat. And they have a particular appeal to Turkish minorities in particular in the Netherlands, because the two of the most prominent members are Turkish, uh, which is something that's going to change because a new party leader is of Moroccan descent. But if you look at their electorates, right now they, are, uh, they have three seats in parliament. And if you will get the entire Turkish minority to vote for you, you're also not going to gain that many more seats. So I think this is also, you know, it is one of the smaller parties that, yeah, I don't think they will get out of the parliament, but I also don't expect them to be capable of growing much more than what they have right now, simply because of the size of their electorate. I think so too. And I think it's, it's, it is not unfair to say that they are a party that predominantly just gets their support from a a, an ethnic group or a, a cultural group within the country that's quite clearly their base um they and that they have little yeah. appeal to the other uh exactly other yeah because they, they've got society. quite a narrow focus you know they know what what issues play well there so you know apart from more focus you know on, on tolerance and equality issues they're quite conservative on some certain social issues so they know what appeals to that base in that way, funnily enough, quite similar to the SGP, I think you can make a system like they're going to get a set 
amount of seats based on the fact that their core will not change and is relatively stable. So, yeah, we're going to have to say goodbye to a few familiar faces in Parliament. And right now we have 15 parties in Parliament. And we estimate that at least two are going to, uh, well, are, are not, we're not going to see them back. Um, and yeah, 50 plus is going to be close. So maybe even uh, one more. So that will leave us with 12 parties. But then my question for you, Casper, is will we stay at 12? Or is Dutch politics that fragmented that we will see even newer parties coming back oh definitely i mean i think there is a couple of of really credible um contenders that i would not be surprised if we we see them make an entry into politics um after march 17th yeah so i think one of them uh, is one that we already mentioned in our right-wing episodes and that is yes 21 Yes, exactly. And I think we've covered most bases of what they're about. What I think particularly the, the interesting thing is, is if they are uh, going to make it in um, under the banner of being a liberal conservative party um, and arguing that that's a movement that can exist legitimately without all sorts of criminals or, or su- suspect groups being involved with that, um, this is their chance to prove it. So... They're currently polling at three seats, so they, they have, I think, a, a quite a real shot of getting in. So interesting to see if that can actually be, if, if they can actually make that work and maybe even break that cordon sanitaire, that 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 voting block, you know, if other people don't want to work with them. Uh, but that that's going to be, I think, a very interesting development to, to watch happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, um, obviously, yeah, three seats, it, it depends on where you look at, yeah. uh, which which of the polls you look at. And, and also, uh, <laughs> it remains to be seen how many of the voters of Forum for Democracy, uh, the party that they split off from, uh, will actually move with them to uh, Yes 21. But yeah, I think their main challenge is going to be, uh, well, I, I think they, they might actually make it. And yeah. their main challenge will be, um, yeah, are they going to be one of these parties that is actually going to take place into this whole governing and coalition forming system or are they just going to be one of these like are they just going to be the next right-wing party that will be sitting in opposition and will just completely be excluded uh, by all of the other parties that's going to be their main challenge and they say and they say of themselves that they're not going to let that happen so they say we're gonna you know we're willing to compromise we're willing to work together we're willing to even going you know a little bit less critical on the EU, on migrations. Like we, you know, we, we, we want tougher measures, but we're reasonable. I think it remains to be seen whether they can actually make that work or not, but that seems at least to be their own uh, story that they're, that they're telling. We're going to try and introduce a liberal conservative party into the parliament that isn't uh, tainted with some of the associations of the previous attempts when that was uh, tried. Yeah, they will do whatever is in their power to uh, stop or to prevent the country for going even more left wing. Yeah, uh, even if that even if that involves having to uh, to negotiate with the left wing. Exactly. <laughs> Another party on the right wing that uh, might also actually make it is one party 
that I, for some reason, seem to, uh, well, I, for some reason, get their ads all the time on social media. I don't know why, because in particular, if I look at the other ads that I get, they tend to be on the left end of the political spectrum. Um, but I guess it's because I live in The Hague, uh, because the party, Code Orange, uh, is a party that's being led by former uh, member of parliament of the PVV uh, and now council member of the city of The Hague, Richard de Mos. Yeah. Um, so I think he's I think he's targeting a very specific group, which is uh, <laughs> which is people from the Hague, um, because I think that's also mainly where uh, yeah where the appeal of 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 yeah yeah of this person is. Talk about local politics entering national politics, right? I mean, he's got a very narrow base of people in the Hague, certain groups in the Hague, and maybe that'll carry him to Parliament. Although. I have to be honest with you. I don't see it happening. Um, yeah, I think Yes21 is the party that will yeah. mainly uh, get these right-wing voters that yeah. do not want to vote for either Form for Democracy or the PVV. I agree. Um, but, yeah, I, I always expected that if we would see a regional party or a local yeah. party entering uh, <laughs> entering the national parliament, it would not be a local party from a specific city. But then <laughs> here we are, Code Orange, giving exactly, it a try. Exactly. No, and I, I guess what speaks for them is that obviously... Uh, the, the leader, Richard de Mos, is quite well known nationally as well, being a, yeah, being a parliamentarian for the, for the PVV. Um, I'm not sure whether that does him any favors. I also don't know if the multiple, uh, lawsuits and criminal investigations against him do him any favors <laughs> either. Um, but who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe that parliamentary immunity is, uh, is going to do him some favors, but, uh, we have to see. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in a way, he is a uh, uh, yeah, almost your your stereotypical PVV uh, yeah. uh, MP because he has so many controversies. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I don't. Yeah, I I think it's going to be uh, yes twenty one that will get those votes that would that he would need in order to get to that approximately seventy towards eighty thousand votes. Yeah. So. That brings us to the next party, uh, the party of uh, former member of the Denk party, Silvana Simons, uh, who started her own party that is now called Bijeen. And this also brings me to the realization that we have translated all of the political parties uh, from Dutch to English. How ridiculous that <laughs> may have ended them up. Uh, yeah, some of these translations like Yes21, I'm not sure if they fully we cover tried. the meaning of of, of, yeah. uh, of the party name. How would you translate uh, Denk? I mean, it, literally in Dutch, it's think. Um, but I think, and I, I had to look this up, but it also means something in Turkish, which means balance or equality uh, in Turkish. So it's got a double meaning in both both those languages. But I think Denk covers it. Like it's it's easy to say, which you can't say for Bayen in a um, English context, which I struggle to translate even because there's so many different ways you can go with it. So, well, something tells me that we really have to hope that no one changed their uh, their Wikipedia page, um, <laughs> and that Denk actually means what you just said it did. Um, <laughs> I I don't speak Turkish. It's a, a flaw. I, I apologize for it. This is I, I have it on good authority that that's what it what it means, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, but um, Bayen. But yeah, Bayen. when it comes to Bayen, I would say um, at one. Because it could just be together or at one or with one or be. No, no, I, it, I yeah. never really, 
I never really looked at it at the uh, yeah that it could meant uh, together because it used to be called called Article One, yeah. which is uh, the article of the Dutch yeah. Constitution referring that uh, you can't discriminate, which yeah. I think is also yeah one of the core uh, core topics of their yeah. party. But yeah, uh, together indeed that might be one of the, I think might that's be the, I think that's the wordplay here. It it refers to yeah. Article One of the Constitution and then bij een being together because that's what yeah. they want to do. They want to be, bring people together. But yeah, th- that is the f- core issue, I would say, um, of the party. It's 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 anti-discrimination, anti-racism, uh, and they say you know, there's a broader program, but they look at everything uh, through the lens of, of anti-racist activism. Um, so very much core to their to their uh, appeal. Yeah, and I think that um, it's also a party that is well, it is mainly famous because of uh, their party leader Sylvana yeah. Simons, who is a, a member of the of the Council of Amsterdam right now. Yeah, um, uh, and former TV yeah. presenter uh, before that. So yeah, she was former presenter, but also well known. Uh, yeah. prominent anti Zwarte Piet, uh, also known as Black Piet. Uh, uh, activist so she's also very famous from that uh, movement and i think fair to say as well that um she's been very criticized and, and and persecuted i think in in political culture and in in the media for her stances which are quite outspoken she's she's had to go through a lot to to actually be able to say the things that she says um uh, but yeah she, yeah yeah, yeah. No, I think that's uh, that's uh, definitely fair to say. And I think one of the main reasons that she mentioned why she left uh, the Denk party was because she believed that Denk uh, was polarizing while she wanted to unite people. Um, and yeah, I've, that ties back to the core topic of the party uh, by Ain. And yeah, it remains to be seen if she's going to make it into parliament. So I think so the last time uh, she also ran... Uh, with the same party, but then under a different name, and she didn't make it. Yeah. And yeah, I also think you know if she's going to make it, it's going to be one, just one seat. Yeah. I think that's also why I keep referring to this. If she makes it, yeah. I don't think they will get two seats or three seats. I agree. I think the 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 fact that they're not running, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, in every voting district in the country, um, they've got quite a narrow base still. Um, and she, as a person, whether you agree or not disagree with her, is quite controversial, and there's large swathes of population that do not agree with her. So, yeah, I'm I'm not seeing the numbers there for her to actually make it into parliament. Yeah, I'm not sure if they are not running in every voting district. And previously, they weren't. In the last elections, they weren't because the way it works in Dutch politics is that yes, we have what we call a single constituency. Um, but then there are different districts that are responsible for organizing the elections in certain regions. Yeah. Um, so you need to get 30, like 30, yes, support signatures. So you need to find 30 people who, uh, will, will give their signature stating that they support your party in every of these districts. Yeah. So a district can, I, for instance, be the city of Amsterdam, yeah. the city of The Hague, or perhaps a more broader, like wider ru- rural region. Yeah. And in the last elections in those wider rural regions, in particular in the eastern part of the Netherlands, she didn't get those 30 signatures. So she wasn't on the ballot there, yeah. uh, but she was in, in uh, all of the other yeah. regions. I stand corrected, by the way, having just quickly looked it up, uh, they are represented every um, district now. Uh, so that might widen her chances based on uh, compared to to previously, but still, I do not think that Bain at the moment has the numbers to uh, actually make it. In. Yeah, you know, I think the only indication that we can get that might imply that she might be close to one is the fact that we had this uh, uh, this attempt of forming a new broadcast association, uh, the the 
which was called Omroep uh, Zwart. So that will translate as to uh, Broadcast Association Black, which was caving for, uh, or that, that had a lot of support amongst, yeah, just black Dutch community. And they had about 50,000 uh, members. So, uh, I mean, obviously, it is, I, I, I'm not uh, trying to uh, suggest that all of these people will vote for, uh, for Bayein. But, you know, it does imply that yeah. because this broadcast association was also very much focused on discrimination, on getting a, a more equal representation of all uh, minorities in the Netherlands yeah. on uh, public television, that means that there is at least 50,000 people who are very much focused on this topic, you know, yeah. so that might suggest that this is... Uh, sort of the, the the size of the group that might also be willing to vote for uh, for Bayein. So then, um, one party that I in particular seem to get a lot of ads on on social media uh, is the party Volt. Me, Why would that be? Me too, man. I mean, I think this says much more about our filter bubble than it says about their actual prospects. But if I have to go by my my social media feeds, they're going to win all the seats in the house. That's 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 what it looks like. I mean, my entire uh, my entire timeline they're very is, effective they are good their their social their their game digital game is good i mean i and i genuinely think um out of the parties that we've now been discussing this is one of the ones that has the most credible shots of of uh getting in not just because their campaigning has been quite effective uh but i think there's a room in in there's still a niche that looks to fill we're looking for niches that aren't yet catered to and i think this is this is definitely one because they're a pan-European party, uh, obviously, that really paints them as almost a single-issue European, which I is not necessarily true, but, I mean, there's a draw there. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, I feel uh, that they are, in a way, sort of positioning themselves in between Green Left and D66. Yeah. And, and yes, of course, they... they, they might look like a one-issue party, and then that one issue is is sort of this pan-European uh, movement. And I'm I'm not sure if that's if that's going to be enough of an appeal to Dutch voters in in Dutch national elections. Like I I'd, I totally see them having us uh, being able to to get a lot of seats or get a lot of votes in European elections. But you know, yeah. uh, well, it's going to be a close one for, for I, this national election. I read something which I'm now you know stealing here, but I thought it was it was very unkind to them. But I thought there was an element of truth in it. Is that someone said, uh, "Volt is the party for disappointed D66." voters looking for a party that doesn't have blood on their hands, which I think there's an element of truth in it that I think they're the people that they're targeting right now is people that would tend to vote D66 because they so far are the only party that has a vaguely pro-European sound, even though they D66 never seems proud of their European uh, ideas or their plans for the European Union. Um, And they, they often, I think, people, voters of D66 tend to always underestimate how liberal like neoliberal or right-wing d66 can be on certain issues and as we mentioned when we discussed them they have a bit of a history of 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 being a letdown once they actually enter um government so i think those elements make it a very compelling offer for for people that are looking to 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 vote for a party that's similar in many ways but is bolder when it comes to this european story um, and at the same time, I think looking at the green left there, which I think is another draw, um, Volt, and I think that's one of their secret weapons, is pro-nuclear energy, uh, which green left isn't. And that is for, for a surprising amount of people that that does play a role uh, there as well. Yeah, um, 
No, I mean, I, I totally see what you mean with uh, that they have this niche. And yeah, yeah I, I see that they're trying something new, um, even though the party not necessarily is new this time. They also run in the European elections. You know, it, it remains to be seen whether they will be effective in, in getting these photos that, yeah, they, they will have to take away predominantly from uh, from D66 and, and Green Left. Yeah. And yeah, the, I, I do agree that D66, uh, yeah, perhaps has this... Yeah, the downside of, of taking part in coalitions is that people will not be happy about, uh, in the Dutch coalition system, people will not be happy about the policies of a coalition, whether or not this was you advocating for these things or, or not, uh, you've been taking part in it. I, I, I agree, but I also think it's, and that's very subjective, obviously, but I think there's a per- perception of D66 that they don't, they, they've got many ideas that are core to the party that they don't actively seem to to carry out or even seem slightly embarrassed about it because they've got if you look and we we looked in their program and they've got very great idea or very innovative ideas about the european union but you don't hear them about those plans other than in platitudes um so i think i think that is a draw for many people there as well um yeah but you know when it comes to faults it's it's also harder now to uh, to sort of grasp like how many people will vote for this party because it is in particular for the parties that haven't been in parliament yet it's it's going to be hard for them to you know to get media attention and to um to be uh, even to be present yeah. at debates because only the larger parties are invited for most of the debates and and I think in particular Volt is one of these parties that, that parties that is targeting younger voters yeah. and is very much uh, active on social media like that's where they where they do their campaign they, they are not traditionally like going to the streets like no one is basically doing apart from a few exceptions in these elections um so their the way of campaigning is also very different so it's it's you know this campaign is just sort of invisible i yeah. feel for for polling like for pollsters it remains to be seen but i'm i'm willing to go out on a limb and throw away all the credibility that i that i earned at the start of, of all of this when i you know correctly predicted the fall of the government that i'm going to say they're going to they're going to be i think the big surprise of the election i think they're going to get in and i think they're going to do better than than expected you just had to bring that up, right? I like did. Your, your I fall did. of the prediction. Exactly. Your fall of the but, government prediction. But who knows? Did you plan this? Yeah. Like, oh, it's going to be our last, like one of our last episodes before yes. the elections. Yes. I want to bring this yeah. up. But now, but but now I've said this. It's on the record. So after the elections, <laughs> you can you you can depending on what happens, you can get back uh, to me on this. Yeah. Yeah. All the best to Volt, but uh, <laughs> I do yeah. hope that you are wrong. Yes, uh, I am now. I have. Now, I've got now a private interest in their success, unfortunately. <laughs> right, we'll have to see. All right. So, summing up, just having discussed all of this, do you think that after the elections are done, the number of parties in the second chamber will go up or down? Ooh. So. Um... My prediction is that two is going to go. The two are going to go out, so that will be Splinter and uh, Henkel. So that leaves us with uh, <laughs> with thirteen, and then I think, ooh, I think we might get three new ones. I, I would say two new ones. I think yes, twenty one and Volt. I think those will make it, and then I'm going to say Bayain is, is going to be close. So I think we will stay at the same. So yeah, if you're going to say more or less, I'm yeah. <laughs> or. Uh, I think we'll play for quits, definitely. We'll stay at the same, but I think the possibility of actually 
getting even more parties and, and you know increasing the fragmentation of Dutch politics is a real possibility. So we just have to, um, you know, watch these elections closely and, and find out what happens. Um, so that brings us already very close uh, to the ac- elections actually happening. So next week uh, will be quite a hectic week because first, um, before the elections are there, we'll uh, wrap everything up and make sure that we provide you with all the last things that that we need in order for everyone to go into these elections and be able to watch them uh, like pros and know exactly what to expect. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Poldercast, the Dutch politics podcast. If you have any questions, comments or recommendations, you can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or just by sending us an email. If you don't want to miss a thing, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other podcast listening platforms and leave a review. That will help us a lot. Till next week. 